Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Matt Browning. So stoked to be here. Man, hope you're having a good week. Um, this week... Um, I have a very an interesting guest, someone you know, we met at a podcasting conference a few months back, and I saw this young man get up to just basically pitch all of us, talk to us about coming on a show, having an interview, and, and what he's doing, and I loved it. The first thing he did is he did a handstand. I don't know if it was a one-handed or two-handed. I'll ask him in a second, but he did a handstand up on stage and instantly got my attention. I'm like, what is going on right now? So I want to talk to you this week with... Uh, I'm going to share with Jared Castillo. Uh, Jared is a professional acrobat. He's been an acrobat since uh, middle school, and he does something called acro yoga. He's a movement enthusiast and also a youth peak performance coach and mentor. He has a ton of knowledge and experience to share, especially with young people out there. So if you're in that millennial generation, Generation Z, uh, whatever you're going to, maybe you don't even want to go with that anymore. Maybe millennials are old people to you now, but if you're in that younger crowd, um, you know, there's a lot to learn from Jerry. He graduated magna cum laude honors with a degree in education and psychology. He's a multi-sport, a state level college champion, and he's also completed over 300 hours of volunteer service and graduated debt-free, which is not something a lot of people can say. He's also had his battles with, uh, with depression, anxiety. He's gone through some major, major traumas of in a short period of time, getting in a car accident, losing several people close to him in his life while working 60, 70 hours a week with work and school. Um, he really, really went through a serious season and has come out from there and share some, some strong experience, strength, and hope uh, with his audience. So I'm grateful to have him on the show. Jared, welcome. How are you, man? I'm doing phenomenal, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I'm 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 stoked to be here. So let's let's first clear up uh, my first question. Did you do a one-handed or two-handed handstand? It was actually a two-handed handstand. I uh, I positioned the mic on the ground and was holding it uh, two hands. <laughs> so when you got up there, so there, there's a mic on a mic stand. You had to put the mic on the ground, and then you stood up and you started talking upside down. Yeah, actually, I'm pretty sure that you're the reason why that happened because I mentioned you're like, oh yeah, you got to do a handstand. I was just like all right, we're doing a handstand and I made a pitch and within like 10 minutes because of you. And all, did you get booked a lot? I got booked. Is my intention was to get 10. I ended up getting, I believe, 30, 20 to 30. <laughs> well, thank you for Mr. Busy. Thank you for making the time to be on here. Um, I want to you know, jump in. So what, what, what got you first interested in even, I mean, I've never met in person, a real, like an acrobat, someone, and I know you've done um, uh, cheer like in high school and I think college as well. What did you, were you always kind of an athletic limber kind of one of those kids growing up or is this something you did like early on just kept doing or is it something that happened later in life? Uh, that is such a joke. No, I actually did not have that natural inclination towards athletics. Well, actually, I take that back. I, since a young age, like I was always very adventurous towards trying sports. Like I've tried almost every single sport under the sun, whether it was soccer or it was swimming or it was football or it was basketball. I did like the Y leagues and things like that. Uh, but I mean, I wasn't athletically inclined in the sense of like my build. Like my freshman year, I was 
85 pounds, less than five foot tall, like most girls were bigger than me. And that actually eventually led into competitive weightlifting when I actually started to have more of that athletic physique and really just got deep into um, that growth. And so uh, up until that point, you, how did you see yourself? I'm, I'm curious about this always, because for me, uh, and I've shared the story before, so I, I try not to, to bore our listeners with all my stuff because you guys have probably heard this. But if you're new to the show, you know, I didn't grow up athletic at all. Mm-hmm. And if you know me now, you know, I, I do a lot of mountaineering and climbing. I love snowboarding, uh, biking, running, you know, whatever. Like I, I'm, I love being out and doing things. But early on, I thought I was never going to be athletic. So, you know, I used to, I played, played soccer in sixth grade and then would hit the ball in the wrong goal, you know, hit it backwards and everyone's <laughs> laughing at me. And, uh, I try to play volleyball and it flies off somewhere else. I can never serve. Like I was just this kid that I figured, I guess I'm not athletic. And that really stuck with me for a long time. It didn't change till I was 19 and climbed my first rock. And I realized, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I just don't like team sports. What was your identity growing up as you, if, how you saw yourself especially like you said, at the height and weight you were and, and changing that. How did you see yourself and what was your perception? The honest truth was that to a certain point, which would have been around sophomore, junior year of high school, my experience of myself was not exactly, as you say, like this amazing thing. Like I was the person who kind of got bullied through middle school and into the beginning of high school because I was the little guy, like my nickname was Shorty. I didn't, I just didn't have this very like present, um, like people wouldn't notice me. I mean, that that was the simplest way to put it. Like there were a lot of people, a lot bigger, a lot taller. My way of identifying with, you know, wanting to fit in and things like that was playing lots of video games. It wasn't until, um, high school when I started to take on different sports, which started with football. I didn't, so to speak, fit in because they kind of put me down because I was short, even though I was like quick, I had great hands. Like I wasn't built. I was very short in comparison to everybody else, which led to uh, competitive weightlifting and uh, competitive cheerleading, which ultimately is where I started to cultivate this foundation for my identity, which was a lot more confident, but definitely a a humongous shift in that period. You mentioned uh, some bullying early on. What kind of bullying did you, did you experience was it just the, you know, the, I don't want to say minor, I don't think there's any minor bullying, but um, I think it's a really relevant topic right now. I think it's something that sure. a lot of people relate to, but haven't talked about in their own life. Um, was it just kind of a getting ignored and pushed around a little bit? Did you have any major experiences uh, that you had to work through? What, what was your experience like that, especially in that smaller size? Sure. So there wasn't a massive amount, but there was some physical bullying, which is normally like pushing and shoving around because I was the little guy. Uh, but the, I think what was even more detrimental to me was this feeling of, and of course, uh, someone at my age in middle school wouldn't use this word, but feeling very ostracized. <laughs> like I was definitely like left out of things, not invited to certain things, like wanted to be a part of different cliques or groups, so to speak. And it was very much kind of like, you know, it's almost like you weren't heard. No one saw you. No one saw me. No one saw me. No one heard me. So I just kind of got left out and left behind during that time period. And I, I relate to that so much. I think that's why, why I was drawn to ask about that. 
you know, especially in junior high and going into high school yeah. um, and meeting you now and probably you meeting me, you know, it's hard to imagine years later, you go, wait a minute, you, you like, you didn't have a lot of friends in school or you were, yeah. you were quiet. What are you talking about? You're so outgoing. You're so this, you're such an extrovert. Yeah. Do you feel like, like, as you look back is, and I think I, I want to harp on this just for a second, because I think this is something a lot of people relate to. Do sure. you feel like there was a moment when you said, you know what, I'm done with this or, or I'm sick of being uh, overlooked and invisible and I don't want that and I got to find a way to change it. Do you feel like it was a very obvious conscious thing you did to go after weightlifting and go after sports or what, did it just kind of, do you think it was all subconscious and looking back you go, Oh, that's what I was doing. Yeah. So I think that it was definitely this subconscious or unconscious thing for a good portion of it. And what I mean by that is at first, my love for movement, as I call it, whether it was soccer or basketball, like I just enjoyed it. It was a way to create community and to be able to connect with other people. And then it wasn't really until I felt like this higher level of I'm not good enough, which was around that freshman year football where I, again, got picked on for my size, where the shift, where I, which I was sort of conscious, but probably mostly unconscious. And I really wanted to be accepted was when I really took on and embodied the uh, competitive weightlifting and was able to very quickly excel like my experience of myself in terms of my confidence, who I was and almost very quickly and rapidly becoming seen as somebody that people could go to for advice and for learning and for coaching. Like that was, that was the big chunk where it really started to settle in. And I was like, wow, like this, my identity, my experience of myself is becoming a bit more robust in a very positive sense. Not like a egoic, like I'm awesome, but more like, wow, like people notice me and I can be helpful to people. That was kind of more the, um, the experience of it. Yeah. So you started seeing yourself with some substance, seeing yourself as more than the illusion. I, I think that's such, when we're growing up, it's really easy to, to look at the illusion or the lie, right? Yeah. about who we are based on how we've been experienced, how people see us, how we've been treated, whatnot. But just to see the truth and who you actually are and then let that start coming out is pretty amazing. So from there, you started, you know, you started getting more serious about, about acrobatics, um, acro yoga. Tell me, tell us what acro yoga is real quick. And then um, is that something you just practiced for yourself or did you get like into that industry? What's the story with acro yoga? Sure. So you mentioned that I kind of started like my acrobatic journey sort of when I was in, like in middle school, like I started watching my sisters do back handsprings and backflips. I started to learn that, which then I got into competitive weightlifting, which developed my strength and things like that. I had some friends who did competitive cheerleading and that looked cool. It was like this blend of acrobatics, tossing and catching people and just being able to do seemingly like awe inspired uh, maneuvers and performances and things like that, which then after I got out of high school, it fell off. I wasn't wanting to do the competitive level of cheerleading in college. It was like, it was a full-time job. Everyone I spoke to, it was like, if you do that, that is all you do on top of school. You're not working a job. You're not doing anything else. So I dropped it for a little bit. And then somewhere in between that and actually picking up acro yoga, a lot of things just popped up in my life that really left me, uh, I mean, honestly, the, the honest truth was like very depressed, very, very, very weak uh, mentally and physically. And as a result of that, I actually stumbled across acro yoga, which in essence is uh, 
yoga mixed with acrobatics. It's a partnered, it's a partnered sport, so to speak, that you create all these amazing shapes and forms. And it's a very bonding experience to say the least. Also, we've, and we've probably seen these on social media, right? So this is when probably. someone's on the beach and they're on their back with their hands up and then someone's standing on a hand or something like that. And you're making these like two person poses. Two or more. I mean, I've seen people doing poses with four, five, six, ten people. It can definitely, it definitely wow. what you're talking about is someone laying on their back and hold somebody. That's one version. Another version is uh, standing. So you have standing and what's called like L basing or grounded acrobatics, which, for example, myself, like I'm the type of person in my training now where I can hold someone in a handstand on my hands, but I can also reverse roles and I can be the person doing a handstand on their hands. So it's very diverse. Man, that's just. That's incredible just to think about. Like, I don't, I can't imagine doing a handstand for longer than a second, <laughs> let alone on top of somebody else. Dude, it's incredible. And you, as, as you went through uh, school and coming out of school, you had some really kind of some serious traumatic times. Um, talk to me about, and I think this is where the theme is going to go for this episode. And you never know where exactly, but I know you have a story where. Um, you know, you lost a couple of friends really close to each other. And then you actually got in an accident, a car accident on the same road that you lost a dear friend just recently, right before that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't know how you see that if there's an obvious or, or connection or if it's just happenstance. Um, but from there, you, you, you talk about how you know, you, you battle with some depression, some anxiety and really hit like a, a, a low point. And I know you've also had to work through that. Talk to me a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, maybe share a story of, um, you know, how did this come about? Like the, the state, the feelings, um, what that was like. And then we'll talk, of course, about how, how to overcome and how to work through the, you know, the moments when life happens at you. Sure. So the shorthand version was coming out of high school. I was I was doing everything that in my mind I was supposed to be doing. I was going to school, I was working um, upwards of 60, 70 hours a week. Like I was doing all the things. I was um, I had a I had a girlfriend, I had my family, I had all these things that were kind of going on. They were all kind of pulling um, pulling my time and my energy and stuff like that. But I was doing a pretty good job at maintaining it. But then around 2016 definitely heading into 2017 for a period uh, it just kind of seemed like all at one time like the, the whole saying goes like when it rains it pours like everything decided it wanted to take itself and throw it out of the drawers it's like imagine your room just like throwing up all over the place just everything throwing itself everywhere so what that looked like was uh, a relationship where uh, it was just it was becoming very difficult because she was depressed and then it kind of led into my depression. My parents on both sides, my, uh, my family's divorced. Like they started kind of going at it with one another. I was with a friend and five minutes later, he drove up the road and uh, he unfortunately passed away, had gotten in a pretty uh, awful wreck. And even shortly after that, within the next couple of weeks on the same road, as you mentioned, had gotten in a severe car wreck that cracked my ribs, totaled my car, also had uh, injured my girlfriend at the time who was in the car with me. And then... Following that, I had had a two-week span where my grandfather died. Um, another friend of mine actually took his own life, um, went through a pretty bad breakup, gotten another severe injury where I had basically destroyed my ankle, rendered me incapable of walking for 
nine months. And then kind of like the last straw when I kind of got into my lowest was I got a call basically hearing that like my two-year-old dog had died. And for me, that experience, like there's like pain, like there's hurt where it's like you have this visceral emotional or physical reaction to what's happening. That was what it looked like in the beginning. And honestly, that piece to me was actually manageable. The point where I realized that I was at my lowest was when I stopped having any kind of reaction. Meaning like when my friend passed away, I had no emotional reaction. I had no physical reaction. I had no reaction to that whatsoever. It was almost just like, what? I didn't understand. I didn't experience it. it. And all these things kept happening, kept happening. And it wasn't until I had, uh, I got the call from my stepmom saying that the dog had passed away where I cried for like 15 minutes straight, like, like tears, snot running down my face, like just got broke up with like five minutes before prom in high school, just boohoo crying. And after that had this like wave of emotions flow over me. And then this just space of clarity when I was like, I can't keep living like this. Like it was like being a zombie had nothing to truly experience all of the amazing features of life. And you and, lost the dog, man. Like, like that, Oh, that, that is heartbreaking. And yeah. so when, when you're going through this and Again, I think this is a theme that most of us can relate to. I don't know how it works, but I know there's something to, like you just said, something really interesting. You're describing all these things that essentially are happening around you and to you. There's an accident. There's you know losing people that are close to you, losing the dog, having the breakup, having all these things. And it's really easy to look at that and say, gosh, like look at all this that's happening to me. Like I wish it would stop. But you said, I can't keep living life this way. Did, did you initially look at that through the lens of how am I creating like this environment? Because I know it can almost be a touchy subject, you know, because certainly yeah. you're not the one responsible for someone taking their own life. Certainly not. Mm -hmm. You're not the one responsible for the dog dying. But when, when we go through whatever that season is and, you know, and we see like there's a lot of things going on all at once and I'm getting impacted negatively. Yeah. How, how did you see that A as something that you could change in whatever capacity you can change? And then B, like, what did you decide? Like, what did you decide to do? What was the thing that you said, you know what, something has to change in how I'm living my life. And this is what I can do in this situation or these situations that, again, they're not in your responsibility, but it sounds like you went through this epiphany where you took responsibility for what you're going to do in your life. How did that come about? And what did you like? How did you start to change the mindset to change your state? Sure. So I do want to start by prefacing and saying there actually was a period in time, and I noticed this afterwards, that I I basically started playing that victim role. And what that looked like was cutting my cutting myself off from everything. Like I cut myself from all jobs, from like all the people that I was interacting with, like literally put myself in a dark room for a period of time and was not taking that responsibility for some period of time. And then I, I do remember distinctly, and this is how I relate it, listening to this audio where Will Smith said something along the lines of, it's not your fault that you were raped. It's not your fault that this person died. It's not your fault that you were abused as a child. 
but it's damn well your responsibility to do something about it. Meaning yep. you can't control those things, but if your belief, your mindset, your experience, it becomes very filtered in a distorted way. If you don't start to take accountability for your actions, it's like, oh, my dog died. Well, let me just go sit in a corner and cry about it for a month. Like that's, that's not an empowering behavior. So it's not your fault the dog died, but it's your responsibility what you do with it and what you do after it. So you came to that. Did you get that like as a moment of clarity, like a light bulb moment, or was it something you had to work towards? You heard the Will Smith thing. Was that the moment when you, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And you decided to make a shift? That was one of the philosophies that started to cement my my action. So it's like you ever just unconsciously start taking action. You start to see the results, but then you hear something, you connect, you're like, oh, that's what I was doing. Like for me, what actually shifted that was stumbling across acro yoga. Like I, I stumbled across it, got into it, started seeing my life improve, like my vitality, my energy, my thought process, my everything. Like that was what led me down this humongous path of personal development and growth and expansion. And then listening to these types of speeches and concepts, which which is what really formulated the foundation for me to be able to take accountability for my life, to be able to change the state from which I was creating, not a state of lack and desperation and sadness, but a state of, I can do this. I must do this. I will figure it out. And I will align my actions with my beliefs and intentions. Now, since then you continued on really like an upward spiral for you. And I, I love man, Jared, thank you for sharing that. Cause I, I love personal responsibility. I think is just such an important theme yes. and it's, it's misunderstood a lot. You know, I, like I've taught in, in seminars for years, the concept of cause and effect, right? Mm-hmm. Living at the effect or living at cause. And the biggest misunderstanding, it was exactly what you said so perfectly. Most people's misunderstanding is, well, yeah, I, 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 I was abused. I was raped. I was neglected. I've had these things happen to me, these accidents. I've lost somebody. And they're trying to wrestle with how do I take cause for that? And, mm-hmm. and I think there, there's been a lot of misunderstanding. People have gone down this road of um, super bad thinking where they're trying to say, well, then the universe is bringing this to you or God wanted to teach you a lesson and this is what you have to And it's like, that's just not true. Sure. You know? created the universe, man, it doesn't create illness and, and death and destruction and bad things. It, it, it's, not, it's not that these things happen for a reason. I strongly disagree with that. I do believe, though, what we do with the things that happen are 100% our responsibility, and we do get to choose, and we can make good out of the bad. It doesn't mean the bad happened and it was, it was good that something happened that was bad, but what can we do that's good out of that? And you've been doing a lot of good out of what you went through and, and, and fighting through depression, anxiety, and fighting through loss. Um, now, you know, we had this great conversation before we started rolling tape about uh, the wolf method. You've been using uh, a wolf as an archetype for a lot of your, you do youth life coaching, which is so cool because I ran into, you know, a million life coaches, but seldom do I meet someone who is fully centered on life coaching for youth. So you're talking, what, what is that, like high school and college age you roughly? Or who, who are you most called to serve and to coach and, and to help them improve their life? And then let's talk about how you go about that. Sure. So I will say that 
I think that the the people, generally speaking, is the people who are most ready, which is around that high school, college era. But so to speak, the people that I would love to work with, these are the people who have some kind of hunger, some kind of aspiration, willingness for growth and expansion. Like whether you're in a really, really difficult Un, so to speak, unresourceful state, and you know you need to change, and maybe you're just not sure, and you maybe you need that guide or that inspiration, or you're somebody who has this very clear vision of where it is that they're going. I I'm just looking for like that hunger. Now I've I've worked with plenty of people who haven't yet developed that because they're in that unresourceful state. However, it's about getting to a point where it's almost like you're just fed up. You're fed up with what you've been getting and you're ready for something more those are the people with whom i really just i gravitate towards the most and tell me about the the wolf method whole concept so um what is it what why why did you pick wolf as a metaphor and then i know it actually stands for an acronym as well um about the why the old self the leap and the feed the wolf talk to me a little bit about why you picked the metaphor and then what like what those are they steps or are they just um, uh, kind of belief pillars? Talk to me a little bit about the WOLF acronym. Sure. So the philosophy initially started with me just being very gravitated towards what the WOLF stood for, which there is one element where it is a lone wolf, where it goes on this journey. And for me, I relate it to doing like this inner work because we have our like inner ways of being, but then we have like our outer ways of going and doing. So for me, like that inner being, like what are you creating as you go on this personal journey when you're in solitude, when you're, when no one's looking, like who, like that's old saying, like, who are you when nobody else is looking? What are we cultivating? What are we creating? Doing that work. And then the flip side is the pack of the wolf, the, the wolf pack. Like you also go as community, as group to go and accomplish some similar goal or mindset we go and we do both so it, it cultivates this union of individual and, and also community so inside of that and it being this journey the acronym came as a result and has actually experienced some shift lately um i i realized that it's really important to get very clear on why it is that we're doing what we're doing and this is something i actually really gravitated towards from Simon Sinek's work. Like we have a goal, whether it's, oh, I wanna, I wanna improve my health through exercise or diet, or I wanna improve sales in my business, or I, I just wanna feel better, I wanna have a clear mindset. Having some kind of, I know where I wanna go. Now that I know where I wanna go, I wanna figure out why is it that I really wanna go there? Because some people might say, oh, like, I don't, I just, I'm just, I don't wanna be, I just don't wanna be what I weigh, or I'm just, um, the reason why I'm playing video games is uh, I just enjoy it. It's fun. But then what I realized from asking people, like, why is it that you really want to do that? Sometimes the reason why we're people are playing video games, like myself, was what we really wanted was to feel that connection with somebody else, to feel like we weren't left out. Or if it's inside of our health, it's like the reason why I really want to improve my health is because I want to see my kid graduate college or to see my kid get married or to for business. Like a reason why I really do what I do is I want to be able to provide for my family. That's really meaningful. So, clear on the why. so the W with the wolf is, is really getting a clear and accurate why. Tell me about yes. the the O and uh, the the old self, the leap, and the feeding as we sure. as we come to our our twilight of our time together. I can't believe how much time has passed, brother. 
I know. It's when you get in that conversation, you're just having fun. <laughs> so tell me about the old self, the leap and the feed the wolf. Yeah. So actually the old self, uh, I, this has actually started to shift a little bit because the old self was originally about getting very clear on what's holding us back. But what I actually started to do is in its own right, I actually took that O and moved it over a little bit towards after the F, which is outside of um, the actual process. And now what it's transforming into is owning it. Owning. Yeah. And and the reason why is I, I think the old self is so important, but I think that it takes so much time and it's so important to get deep with it that we really want to be able to spend more in-depth practice going to that. But the own it aspect, it's like, okay, I know where I want to go. I know why I want to do it. But a lot of times I think this happens for some of us. We have this mission. We have this goal. But then something comes and gets in the way. Maybe it's our parents. Maybe it's our friends. Maybe it's someone else and just says, you can't do it. Or this is ridiculous. You shouldn't waste your time or whatever it is. This O is about getting so grounded. And what we're doing, we say, I'm going to own it. And then after getting done with own it, we own what we're doing. We're now going to head into leap. And this is about taking a leap of faith. It's I'm owning what I'm doing. And now I'm just going to go and I'm, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a leap of faith. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I'm just committing. I'm committing all that I am and all that I got to it. And once we finish that, we're heading right into F, which is feed the wolf, which is the action, the lifeblood of all that there is in life. It's about going and taking the action. We know why we're doing it. We know we're going to own it. We're going to commit. And now let's go and do it. Maybe it's recruiting a friend or a coach or a mentor reading books, but we're going to go and we're going to feed the wolf. Man, this is solid stuff, Jared. Thank you so much for that. So guys, I mean, what what a cool formula, the wolf formula, right? The why, the get over your old self, but also owning it. Um, take the leap and decide what you really want to change and do. And once you're doing the new thing, feed the wolf. And Jared uses that uh, formula, of course, with, with your coaching clients, um, young and old alike, but certainly focusing on the youth life coaching. I sure appreciate you coming by, Jared, man. Thanks for sharing the stories with us. And thank you for sharing ultimately your inspiration and, and encouraging story about how we can take responsibility and really get the things we want to get done in life. Appreciate you coming, brother. Matt, I can't thank you enough for your time and what you're creating. Anybody who's listening, make sure you tune in into all this guy's stuff. He is absolutely changing the way we as entrepreneurs and beyond are able to shape and create a life that truly moves us. That's what we're talking about. Thanks so much, Jared. Hey guys, make sure you follow Jared Castillo. You can follow him on Instagram at Jared Castillo. It's J-A-R-R. O-D. And then Castillo is C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O. I'll put that in the show notes course. Instagram is Jared Castillo. Uh, and Or is it Jared? Yeah, we, Jared Castillo. And then he has also Jared.Castillo um, uh, social media. You can get to his website at JaredCastillo.com and look for his new podcast launching right around uh, now-ish. You should be able to find that. Search. We'll put a link in the show notes for his podcast. His new show is all about essentially how you can follow the wolf and how to get those results in your own life. And uh, it's it's extremely, extremely inspiring topic and from an inspiring young man. So check out his podcast about following the wolf and follow him on social media and check out the website, especially if you are um, a young adult or a teenager or you have one of those people in your life. Uh, you owe it to yourself to go check out Jared and see if uh, he can help coaching the person you love. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Appreciate you. As usual, get out there this week and crush it. See you soon.